All right, so let me let me start with you. Um, what do you think is perhaps the most under-obeyed command in the Bible? What do you think is perhaps the most under-obeyed command in the Bible? That's all about sin, probably. <laughs> what did you say, Carolyn? Oh, getting mad. Okay, okay, that could be. Yeah. So perhaps um, I, I might suggest that is what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be starting off in Romans 12, looking at verse 10. We're going to be in two places today. We're going to be in Romans 12, and then we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. But part of this is, is starting off in Romans 12. So we're looking just at one verse right here, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So it's that second part that I think perhaps could be the most under-obeyed command in Scripture, showing honor to one another. See, we, we tend to have this mindset that says, well, if I'm not at odds with somebody else, if we're just kind of neutral, then there we go, everything's okay. But that's actually not what the text says. It doesn't say just be okay with everything being neutral. It says, outdo one another outdo one another in showing honor. So it's not enough to be neutral in it. It's not enough just not to have any problems with people. We have to have the emphasis on outdoing one another and showing honor. So that's what we're going to look at today. What does that mean to show honor to each other? So let's start with the discussion question. Uh, what do you think it means, starting off before we've talked about this at all, what do you think it means to show honor to one another? Okay, that works. Uh -huh. Treat them better than ourselves. Treat them better than ourselves, yep. Yep. Jack. Okay, so uh, to speak highly of them and in front of and behind them. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So again, um, this command to show honor to one another really has been turned into a passive, just don't hurt other people. But again, that's not the approach that the Bible is taking. It's God who honors us, who treats under undeserving sinners with honor. Take a look at your Bibles at 2 Thessalonians 2.14. So you can just keep your finger in Romans 12. We'll be back to that. But jump over to 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, there, there you can see this passage where God treats us with honor. And it says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through, the, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 
uh, and then verse 14. To this he has called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God who, in this way, conveys this glory. The glory of Jesus Christ is, is just in this way conveyed upon us. So, so in other words, it's, it's God who honors us, in a sense. Not, not that God's putting us ahead of himself, that's not what I'm saying. But God, uh, through Jesus Christ, um, has this honor that's conveyed to us. So we want to we look at that today. So uh, because it's God who conveys this glory upon us, that plays out in the way that we treat other people. In other words, we're in a world that is known for putting people down, for hurting people, for insulting people. And the church then should be known as the opposite, a place where members are honored where they recognize that in this place, in this family, we respect each other. We, we put others ahead of ourselves. We put this weight upon other people. That's what the church should be known for. So let's look, into a, look at another discussion question. What do you think stops us or hinders us from honoring each other? As, as you think about your life, to outdo one another in showing honor, what are some of the challenges that you recognize in doing that? Pride. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're possessive of our own time. Mm -hmm. Very true. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul describes having two minds sometimes. Mm -hmm. And my behavior that I desire is not always the behavior I have, especially contacts with them. Yep. Good. Seeing everyone else doing one thing and always want to do the same thing. How many of you here know what flattery is? So flattery is saying things about people that you don't believe are true, but you say those things because you want them to do something for you, or you want them to view you in a certain way. And so one of the reasons that I agree with what you said about showing honor, and maybe just a couple more, one of the reasons is we can, we can have this idea, well, I don't want to flatter somebody. And so we, we just kind of take the approach, well, I'm not going to say any, I'm really not going to honor them because I'm just so scared of flattery. Uh, another maybe hindrance or barrier to this is people think, well, who am I? Who, who am I to honor this other person? I mean, don't you know who I am? I'm a nobody. Like, what, what gives me the right, or why, why am I qualified to honor another person out right there? Uh, now, how many of you grew up in a home or an environment where there was a lot of putting down or a lot of sarcasm? Did anybody grow up in that kind of environment where it was normal to just put other people down or where sarcasm was used really in a way of being more hurtful? Well, that's, that's pretty rare. Um, Looks like everybody grew up in a really good home here, so that's great. But that's not typical. 
So it's typical for people to really be used to this environment where other people are put down and uh, where, where things are said about them that are very hurtful. Uh, so as we begin this discussion on the one another of showing honor, we're going to begin first with the honoring of God. In the Bible, it was commanded to honor. It was commanded to honor uh, parents. It was commanded, commanded to honor elders, commanded to honor those in authority, uh, and most importantly, commanded to honor God. Uh, and God promises to do something pretty amazing to those who honor him. Do you know what God promises to do to those who honor him? Take a look at 1 Samuel 2.30. Someone can find that and read that to us. There's a, a promise that God promises to do to those who honor him, as well as those who don't honor him. Yep, so if someone finds it and looks to read that verse for us, that would be great. For those who honor God, God will honor. For those who despise God, God will lightly esteem, esteem, or we could say despise. So there's a great promise if we honor God there. Uh, so that raises the question, what does it mean to honor God? What does that mean to honor God? Any thoughts on what that means? Respect. Okay. Glory. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I'm assuming you need like in a positive way. In other words, he's not someone taken lightly, is, is another great way to say it. 
we're very cautious. We're, we're very serious. What he, what he says, we obey. And Eli, as you read that story, is, is a very heavy man. And so the irony is that Eli has failed to give God proper weight. And how does Eli die? He's a heavy man, and he falls off the chair, and his own weight breaks his neck. So the, the irony there, the narrator doesn't want to submit, because Eli has failed to give God proper weight, God will not give Eli proper weight. Okay, so, so that's really, in a way, what we mean by honoring God. Um, so, yeah, to, give God, to honor God is to give him proper weight. And as we've been saying, to honor somebody else is to show great respect for them, to treat them with admiration, to give a special recognition to. So there's an honor that we bestow on other people and that perhaps other people bestow on us. But we wanted to start with the premise that the most important kind of honor is the honor that the Lord bestows on his people. So by serving God, by obeying God... Um, God bestows this honor on us, and, and that should matter to us more than the honor we receive from other people. But it definitely plays out in the way that we honor other people. So let's ask this question, why should we honor other people? You read that one letter there in Romans 12 of outdo one another in showing honor. Why? Um, Christian standard version here take the lead in honoring one another and, and I think some of this goes to uh, the point that Paul was trying to draw how, how we treat each other in the body to not show favoritism to one another that when we gather we don't put the more favorable people in the front where they can hear and learn more yep. we don't serve each other out of title but that the, there is this great need especially in this first century church that Christianity should break those boundaries where it's not about our status, it's our position before Jesus. And mm -hmm. This idea of honoring each other is one of the ways in which we start to break those boundaries that exist, in, especially in this culture and in our society. That's very, very good. Yeah, very insightful. Right on. Yep. I mean, somewhere in John, I think it was, Jesus says, by this you will know, they will know that you are my disciples by showing each other love mm -hmm. through your love. And yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that concept. Yeah. That's how you stay apart. Mm -hmm. So we, we can answer the question why should we honor one another? We could say, well, the Lord commands it, and that should be enough, right? But, but there's more reasons than that. Uh, so Colossians 127. You flip back to Colossians 1.27. Here's, here's another reason. And you may not catch it at first reading of this text, but when I point it out, I think it'll be clear to you. So Colossians 1.27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, here's the phrase, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So why should we other why should we honor other people? 
because they have Christ in them, the hope of glory. And so to honor somebody else is to recognize the glory that God has places in their life. Does that make sense? When, when God places glory, when Christ is in the life of somebody else, there's a glory to that. Not because of that person. That's, that's, not, why we, that's not why we honor them, because they on their own are something special. It's because of Christ in them, who is glory. And there's a rightful place to recognize that in the life of someone else. In fact, to fail to recognize it, to fail to celebrate that, would be wrong. And I think that's the problem in general with maybe the, the church culture today, is there's a failure. It's not so much that we're actively against other people. There's just a failure to celebrate uh, the glory of Christ in the life of other people. Maybe you could say that's the challenge in our marriages or in our relationships. It's why we tend to struggle with showing honor to other people. Because we don't celebrate the glory of Christ in that other person. We tend to focus more on what they're doing that's wrong and be more corrective than more affirming. So we uh, celebrate the, the glory of, of Christ in the lives of, of other people. Now, I do want to be clear, though, that even for the unbeliever, there's an honor that can be shown to them, and there's an honor that should be shown to them. It's not just for Christians. So definitely this command applies to Christians because of Christ in them. And for the unbeliever, we would say, well, Jesus is not in them, right? So should we honor someone who's not a Christian? Well, I think we all agree we still should. But why? Let's just take, take out the authority equation here. So I'm not talking about necessarily someone in authority because we're told in places like Romans 13 to, to honor those in authority. Um, so, uh, so, so talking about a, a non-Christian, someone who doesn't have Christ in them. So at, at that point, they would be not, be, not be in God's family. Right? Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so so yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So Gen going back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we're reminded that we're made in the likeness and image of God. Um, James, the, the book of James picks up on that, and James explains that the way we treat other people matters because they're image bearers. So even an unbeliever uh, should be honored as well. Why? Because they're an image bearer. Yes, the fall has distorted that image, but it hasn't erased it yet. So we can honor them because it's God who has created them. It's God. It's, they, they are an image bearer of God. And so to dishonor them would be to dishonor God. Any questions, thoughts with that? Yeah. It's, I think it's that perspective that really matters. If we view other people, so that person that cuts you off in traffic, or that person that's rude to you at the checkout, or uh, that person that's, um, I don't know, just in your way of whatever the case is, if we view them as image bearers, I believe that it should change the way that we interact with them and treat them. Okay, so we're going back to Romans 12 here. Uh, Paul has begun by talking about that brotherly love there. 
And the term he uses for that conveys this love that's, that's found within a family. So believers are to have this familial kind of love, this family kind of love there. And Paul would see the church as family that's even closer than a biological family. So that's what's fascinating about the New Testament is the New Testament, after you get out of the Gospels, the word disciple uh, really is not found, but the concept is still there. But, but really the analogy shifts to more of a family. So, so Paul is writing to Christians to, to explain to them that they're now part of a family that's going to be even closer than blood family. So then from love, he moves into showing honor. And the idea is to consider others better than ourselves. That's what he means by showing honor, by outdoing, uh, outdoing each other and showing honor. There's a parallel passage to this. We're in the book of Philippians right now. So just by way of reminder, we haven't gotten there yet. But the parallel passage to Romans 12.10 is found in Philippians 2.3. So let's take a look at that. Yep, exactly. Uh -huh. So that counting others better than self, that's what Paul is saying there in Romans 12.10. That's what it's looking like to outdo one another and showing honor. So we need to remember that Paul is really battling this whole way of thinking in his day. He, he, he's going against this battle of thoughts in Paul's world. He's in the Mediterranean world, and there's a dire shortage of necessities. It's not as if you can call Amazon or uh, call Walmart for delivery or run to the supermarket for things. There's a real shortage for necessitary um, food and, and clothes and all those kinds of things right there. So there was not enough being produced in Paul's day to care for people's needs. That's just the reality of it. Okay? So this was a tough world to be in. And so people were forced to trade in other forms of currency. So, one of the things that was limited in Paul's day was currency. They didn't have the Federal Reserve that just turned off money whenever it wanted to. They didn't have um, this uh, Fort Knox where there was all this gold that they could just go and get from. They were very limited in currency. And so, what do you do if you need, uh, if, if I need some of my sheep from Paul, or I need some bees from Kyle, but I don't have money to buy that. What am I supposed to do in that case? Yep. So they had to come up with other forms of currency that weren't like literal money. And one of those forms of currency was honor. Was honor. Now that may seem kind of interesting because that's, that's abstract. It's more of an abstract concept, not something concrete. It's, it's something that's not... Like, I can't pull honor out of my pocket and give it to you, but I can convey it in the way that I treat you. So, it's a little bit different way of thinking right there. Uh, so, the ancient people thought that honor must be like the money and goods in their society, limited. So they, they believed that there was a limited amount of honor, and their idea was, we have to seek it. Just like gold, just like whatever else the case is, if there's only so much, we've got to be the ones to seek it. And at the, at the expense of other people. 
So this was the mindset that Paul was battling in his, his uh, world right here, that honor was limited, honor was very, very important, and that you battled other people to get honor. Uh, so honor, so human honor is part of our human value system. Whether we think so or not, the way we perceive other people and the way we treat other people, it's all tied into these beliefs and thoughts that we have about honor. And unfortunately, even in our world, people tend to wrestle for attention and for honor. This whole idea that Paul is saying of honoring someone else ahead of ourselves takes humility. It's a different value system that's not centered on us, it's centered on Jesus and the cross. And so when Paul is really redefining honor, people hearing his message were like, whoa, no way. No way, Paul, because that just wasn't what they thought. This idea that someone of a higher status would stoop down to serve someone of a lower status is unthinkable. And to be fair, that exists in our world today. Just not in America so much. You don't see it as clearly. But if you go to India, you know, they, they have the, that caste system. Is that what it's called? The, the, the different systems like that. And you're really stuck in that place. You can't move past that, at least not very easy. So let's uh, go to another discussion question right here. What do you think? So keep in mind Paul's world, this battle for honor. What's the difference between outdoing each other to obtain honor versus outdoing each other to show honor? So what is the difference between trying to outdo one another to get honor versus outdoing each other to show honor. Once you get the honor, you can never achieve it. Then you're done. You don't, you don't need to try to outdo the other person. But showing honor, you'll just continue to try to show more and more honor. One is being very selfish, and the other one is being very selfless. Sure. Good. Yeah, so that kind of happened. One was selfish, and one was selfless. So you see how we've probably gotten Romans 12, 10 wrong a lot? And we don't uh, necessarily read it like that, but the way we practice it tends to be outdo one another in getting honor as opposed to outdo one another in showing honor. And if you don't believe me at that, just watch this week when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your life, and see how that goes. The next time you get upset about something, the next time you're irritated or frustrated, uh, the next time you're discouraged, think back to what it was that you were wanting. Were you wanting someone to show you honor in some way? Or was it really about you were trying to show them honor? And if we're being honest, it's more that we wanted honor from somebody and they weren't giving it to us, whatever that looked like, versus us wanting to show honor to them. So this is the battle that we face right here. And so that's why we're talking about this today. So, so we want to leave knowing that, that there, there's a competition. Like it's okay to be competitive in the right way. 
We're trying to change the mindset from competing against each other to get honor versus competing against each other to show honor. So think about the difference it would make in a relationship, in a marriage, in a church, if everybody here was competing against each other to see who could outdo each other the most in showing honor. It, it, I mean, it, it would be transforming, right? It would be like, well, I'm complimenting you on this, not on flattery, but sincerely. I'm looking in your life, I'm recognizing God in you, and I'm affirming those things. I'm honoring you by listening to your conversation, by hearing you out, by... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what that means to show honor here at the end, more examples of that. But if we all were in this competition to outdo each other to show honor, I can guarantee that the culture would, would be... Oh, it would be so good. Now, if the other person doesn't do it, you can't control them, right? So if you're in a relationship and the other person is not doing that, they're just wanting to take the honor, they don't want to show it, um, I understand that that's difficult. But you know what? God, what does God promise to do to, to those who honor him? He's going to honor them. Mm -hmm. challenges do you think you all face in showing honor to each other? We've talked about pride, we've talked about selfishness. Is there anything that has come up as you've been thinking about this to what makes it difficult to show honor to others? Sometimes it's a matter of, it's a matter of uh, humility or humbling yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, sometimes that's tough. Yeah. So you may struggle with the people that you don't think are worthy of honor. What do you do then? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Romans 12.10 did say, outdo one another in showing honor, assuming that you believe that they should be honored. Did I miss that clause? Is that in your translation? Okay, I didn't think so. So, but what do we do, right? Because realistically, I think you would agree, you know, if I view this person as someone worthy of honor, it's fairly easy to honor them. But the challenge is, what do I do when they just don't seem worthy, quote, worthy of honor? Very good. Very good. I love that. That's exactly right. Can someone read to me Psalm 16.3? Find it, just go ahead and read it. Psalm 16:3. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. Thank you. So exactly what Brent said. Maybe we just need to look more, maybe we just need to look more closely and carefully. 
So as, as we look at somebody and we don't initially think, ah, oh, I don't know, it's really hard to honor that person. They don't, they just, it's making it real difficult on me. Maybe we need to look a lot more carefully and slowly at them. If they are uh, a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is in them, and there's going to be evidence of that. And so we need to be a lot more careful and thoughtful in looking at that. And like we talked about, even if they're not a follower of Jesus, they're created as, as image bearers. Maybe our attitude is wrong. Romans chapter 14, uh, we won't look at that book, uh, chapter, but that, but that talks about our attitude toward other people. Maybe we're just viewing them with the wrong attitude, that we're, we have a critical attitude toward them and that everything that, that we see them doing is just wrong because that's our attitude toward them. Okay, so, yes. Yep. So now we're going to switch gears, um, not in the, in the sense of a whole new concept, but we're moving from Romans 12 uh, to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're looking at verses uh, 12 to 26, because this is another another one of the one another's, the same one another, of showing honor, but Paul does it here in this context of the human body. So this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Talking about uh, the human body as this um, analogy of the body of Christ. And we're going to see what it looks like to show honor within the body and how God does that. So, if I could get someone to read, uh, reading 12 through 26. So, can somebody read verses 12 to 19, actually 12 to, 12 to 20, and then someone else 21 to 26. Who wants the first part? Uh, 12 to 20. Okay. Be no division in the body, 
but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Thank you. So we're talking about this one another uh, showing honor. This section here in 1 Corinthians is helpful for us to understand what that looks like in, in the context of the church, the body of Christ. So as Paul writes Corinthians, you all probably know that he's addressing some of these battles of division and conflict. Um, he's been describing uh, the gifts that God has given to the church, and the Corinthians um, have been using some of those selfishly. And so he's using this analogy of the body to remind them that when they use their gifts selfishly, when members are not cared for, then unity is not maintained, and ultimately God is not glorified. So again, the Corinthians have been struggling with selfishness and pride. They're preferring themselves over other people. Uh, they're not honoring other. They're not honoring each other. And it's disrupting the unity that God has created, that God has called them to. And so they've been dividing over the haves and the have-nots. So some of them have grouped together, and they are the haves. And they say, we have these gifts, and you all are the have-nots. You don't have these gifts. And so there's this separation that's going on right there. So they're uniting over those things. Like, we're united because we speak in tongues. We're united because uh, we prophesy. We're united because we have this gift. And they've missed the whole point that they're not united over the gospel. They're united over some of the gifts that God has given them. So Paul is reminding them that they're one body. They then have to function as a single body. And if they don't do that, that's really an insult to God. So Paul's point right here is that Without all the members, there will be no body. So Paul is emphasizing this fact, that the body uh, doesn't consist of one member. That's what he's telling them over and over again. The body is not all about one member. The body is not about one member. The body is not about one member. And that was their struggle. They, they viewed certain people as, this, this is it. Uh, they're the body. They have the gift. They have the focus, they have the attention, and that's where they live. And Paul's reminding them that that can't be how the human body works. And so he's giving some examples of that, and it can't be how the church body works either. So let's ask this question. How do you see people promoting or, or wanting to promote their personal desires above other people's? Above maybe what's best for the church, what's best for the body. So, so in other words, in what ways do you see people trying to promote what's best for themselves rather than what's best for the body as a whole? What are some examples of that? Uh, perhaps someone might be gifted in a certain area and... They want to serve in that area of the church, but yet there's a real need somewhere else, uh, and they don't. They don't. They're, they're, they're just. They just don't want to do it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe we should use church ministry for example. 
Because someone says, well, I don't want to serve the children's ministry. No one sees me there. Like I'm just sitting with these little kids here, listening to them cry and fight like third I want to be with the, with the real disciples, the adults, so I get attention from them. You see how that can play out right there? So it's not about what's best for the body. It's about, well, what gets me the most attention. So that's, that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous place. That's good. Any other concrete examples? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been working for 40 years and I'm not giving it up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. So, but uh, in light of the fact that it has been 40 years, there should be someone that's getting groomed, perhaps to replace. And so, if I don't do that, mm-hmm. uh, that's not thinking of the body of the head. That's right. Yep. Good. Say you get sick one day, or you know, out of the blue. Someone can take your place, so you're not overworking yourself. So that's the overall theme of this section right here, is to point out that the body is not just about one member. Now in verses 15 to 17, Paul points out the danger of comparison. And comparison is one of the hindrances to showing honor to other people. Um, So... The, the point Paul is making is that all members play a genuine role in the body, even when they have different functions. But the feeling that people have is that some parts are better than others. So the objective truth, what's objectively true, is that each member has an equally important role in the body. The subjective feeling is that, no, it doesn't really work that way. Some members have a more important role than other people. I'm on the parking lot. That's not as important as the person on the pulpit or the person leading this ministry or that ministry. And so, so Paul is addressing that, that comparison is dangerous. So we can we can look at our the way that God has gifted us and we can think, well, I'm a little toe. I'm not the head or I'm not the eye. I don't want to be the little toe. I want to be that. I wish I was that. And we lose and we lose sight of uh, how God has created us. So we can get discouraged when we compare our gifts and places to other people, and when we can hear that other parts of the body are emphasized above ours. So 
our, our Western context is a little bit different than Paul's, as you've been understanding. Um, and in Paul's audience, their role, like their status in life, was fixed and determined. There was this, this determinedness, this fixedness to their positions where they were at in society. That's not the case with us. You can start off in today's world by being on the streets, and you can move up, you can advance yourself to be, I don't know about the president, I mean, hypothetically you could, but realistically, you could move up to being a CEO of, of a large corporation, but that was not the case in Paul's world. You couldn't do it like that. So his audience would have... Um, would, would really struggle with, I'm fixed in this role. Like they understood it from their job. If you were a, a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith. You, you weren't working up to CEO of somewhere, right? That's, that's your role, that's who you work for life. It's not, not true with us. So we don't, wanna, we don't wanna miss their culture here. And so these members were, were challenged because um, they, they felt like they were missing out. Like this is where God put me in the body and I don't like it. I'm struggling. I don't feel like I have attention here. I don't feel like I'm doing enough here. And, and they had a lot of challenges playing out. I think we could probably relate to that. So comparison uh, leads to envy. It leads to the battle to try to grasp a more prominent place. What would happen if each member had the exact same role? In other words, let's just say next Sunday, we just say, you know what? We're, throw, we're throwing away the model of everything we've done. Okay, next Sunday, you all, oh, I'm just trying to <laughs> uh, okay. um, you all are the pastor next Sunday, all right? So what do you think would happen? It would be. <laughs> a long church service. That's exactly why. Right. I mean, you have everybody, and again, I'm just using it for an example, right? But we, we realize that, that that just wouldn't work. Um, God's not called us to put us, God's not put every person in the same role right here. And there's a a beauty, there's a, a value in the role that he has put us right there. So Paul's point here is he wants to stress that, um, that that the people with the more prominent or prized gifts can't think that they're needed more than the people with the less visible parts. So those who have more prominence, and by prominence I just mean more attention, they cannot think that they are more necessary than the less visible parts. And that is the, when the church goes off track, that's what happens. When, when people believe that either, either one of two areas, um, so when those in the more prominent places believe that they don't need the people in the less prominent places, things go off track. And when people in the less prominent places believe that their part doesn't matter, and it's only about the people in the more prominent places, it goes off track as well. And that's why Paul is writing this. And he, again, he uses this analogy of the body. He points out that if the whole body was an eye, well, we're up to here. 
imagery is funny. It's meant to, to be um, a very much of an exaggeration, but it drives home the point. If our whole body was a nose, how could you see? Well, you couldn't, right? So he's saying, think about how ridiculous this is. If we all had the same part in the body, the body could not function. So have you ever struggled in comparing your gifts and abilities or place in the body with other people? Any struggles there? Wishing that, oh man, I really wish the Lord would have gifted me in some other area. I wish I could use it in my mind. And I don't like working with kids. I just wish I could be up there on the stage and use it. So God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. Make no mistake about that. No, I don't think it's wrong to say, well, maybe I'm not sure exactly what that gifting is and how it plays out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm serving the church by, uh, by encouraging other people. And uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's the only place. God, th th that's not wrong to, to really want to search out and try to understand how God has equipped us and the role that God has called us to play. But yet, just know that at the same time that God puts us exactly where he wants us. So if the Lord places you in children's ministry, it's not because he's saying, hey, um, I just ran out of the options here. Like, I'm down to the end. <laughs> so, sorry, you're up. <laughs> he's He's saying, no, actually, this is this is the spot I want you in. This is where I put you. So God, God has gifted us to fulfill those parts right there. Um, complaining about our role or complaining about more prominent or less prominent parts of the body is really a complaint against God and his order. So God didn't merely allow uh, different parts of the body to have different roles, but he sovereignly determined what role each person would play. So in 19 to 20, Paul asked that rhetorical question. It's a question that the answer is assumed. If all were a single member, where would the body be? The answer is assumed. Well, there wouldn't be a body if we all were the same part right there. So what can we do if we don't like where God has placed us in the body or how he has gifted us? What if you don't like it? here that God takes care of the less noticeable parts. So in verses 21 to 26, Paul shifts his emphasis. 
he is addressing those who believe there's less of a need uh, for some of the members of the body. So God um, has designed our human body in such a way that the, the parts of the body that are, that are considered the weaker or the, the less important actually are the most necessary for the body to operate. These parts are not optional. So you think about your human body. You think about a toenail on your little toe. In the big picture of it, we don't consider that as necessary or important as a part. Yet you know that um, when that thing is bothering you, when it's painful, oh, it's hard to walk, it, it really affects the whole body. And I don't pretend to know like what exactly the purpose is of that toenail on the little toe. Um, it doesn't seem to be that important. But God places a, a greater honor on the parts that are less visible, that are less prominent. And so even for the, even for the toes, um, if you don't have your toes, it's very difficult to walk. You lose that balance. And, and so my point is, there's parts of our body that we have no idea that they're even there probably, until something goes wrong with those, especially inside of you. But then when they go wrong, you realize, oh wow, that thing was really important right there. It's affecting everything. So God, God gives a greater honor um, to the, the parts of the body that uh, are not as prominent right there. So one, one, anothering, one anothering care would recognize that there's no indispensable parts. There are no indispensable people. There's nobody in this church that we can say, sorry, we just don't need you. Try, try another church down the road. Okay? So maybe your role is, maybe you've been gifted in serving. Maybe you're a very hands-on person, and you like to do things with your hands, and uh, you're part of the, the team that cuts the grass. That's important. Maybe you're um, someone who really can't get out much, and but you know what you do? You pray for people. That's really, really important. There's no indispensable people here. So God's, God's hierarchy is very different from ours. Our hierarchy is to set more prominence and focus on the parts that seem to be the flashiest, that seem to be the most important. And that's not God's economy. God's economy is greater honor on the parts that are less observable, that are less noticed. So we end here um, with talking about uh, showing honor to one another. And so in verse 26, if one member suffers, what do all the members do? They suffer together. And what, what, about the, what about this next one? If one member is honored, what happens then? All rejoice together. Uh -huh. So there, there's a way. So, so God has designed the body to work in both ways. When one member is suffering, we suffer with them. When one member is to be given honor, we all give honor along with them. Now practically, because there's, there's a lot of ways we can go with this, but let's take it back down practically. 
as you go out this week and get ready to head into your relationships and your job, what are some practical ways of outdoing each other and showing honor? What are some practical ways that we can show honor to other people? You've heard these words, but tell me practically what that looks like. Being involved, yes. Being involved in their life. Mm -hmm. Write a letter, send a phone call, pay a visit. Yeah, very good. Letters, phone calls, visits, okay. What else? Be ready to listen. Okay, good. Listening, uh huh. Affirmations, yep. So here's here's our challenge of this week. Our, our challenge for this week is to outdo each other in showing honor. So what I what I'd like to ask you to do is, in your time at home, really flesh this out. Practically, what's it look like for me to honor someone else? Start with your own family. Think about people in the church. Write down some of those ideas and then put them into practice. And let's talk about that next week. How it went. Okay? All right. Thank you all for coming, and I uh, hope you have a, a blessed rest of the day.